<laughs> Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Rookie Stripes Podcast, episode number two, previewing everything that is Daytona Speed Week from the Daytona International Speedway, everything that culminates in the Daytona 500 this week. You might know me, I'm Garth Allen, my esteemed colleague over here to my right, I believe, is Mr. Tyler Guthrie. How's it going today, man? How's it going, Garth? Not just covering NASCAR this week, every, every other motorsport's starting to kick off for this year, beginning of February, F1's got new cars coming out, IndyCar's got announcements for the upcoming year, and it's only 106 days to the Indianapolis 500 now. You say 106 days to the Indianapolis 500. I say, is they Monday? So seven days to the Daytona 500. There you go. It'll be, what, six days, five days by the time this comes out? So you say that many days to the the Indy 500. I say this many days to the Daytona 500. We got to go in order of biggest race, like closest biggest race. Right. (laughs) That's what we're doing. Indy 500 will get its countdown eventually. Believe you me, we will talk plenty of Indy 500 on here. Don't you worry. This isn't just a NASCAR podcast. We may have only talked about NASCAR last week, but this is a motorsports podcast. It's probably going to have a NASCAR skew to it, but I'm not just a NASCAR fan. I lean heavily toward NASCAR, but I'm not just a NASCAR fan. And as we talked about last week, uh, Mr. Guthrie over here, uh, probably is more an IndyCar fan than a NASCAR fan. Am I correct in saying that? I'm definitely getting more back into the swing of NASCAR, but IndyCar is my thing, my jam, and I never miss out on IndyCar. So I'm excited to kind of share some of that this podcast too. Well, that's good. So once the IndyCar season gets into full swing, you can be our IndyCar analyst. So I I don't have to watch the races. Not that I don't want to watch the races, but... (laughs) you can be the one watching the races and telling everybody exactly what happens in those races the two goals of this podcast are to get me to watch nascar and get garth to watch indycar and to get both of us to watch f1 yeah we'll see about that one (laughs) yeah okay so daytona speed week coming up this week but uh did you see the uh ufo that got shot down this week which one which one? Oh, yeah, there was. I think well, there was the about one. six this weekend. They got one over Lake Huron. I don't know that I saw that one. I was thinking of the one up in Alaska. What was no, the one in Lake Huron? The same thing. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. And then Pat McAfee I, I, posted that the aliens need to hold off their war against the humans until after the Super Bowl, <laughs> so now we're screwed. Well, yeah, <laughs> we're finally past that, so now the war can begin. Oh, boy. Yeah, maybe we can postpone it until I... after Daytona, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and then we're going to say postpone it until after the Indy 500. Just postpone it indefinitely. Yeah. Let's, let's just be peaceful, live in coexistence. Is that the word I'm looking for? Coexistence? I feel like I sound very stupid right now because I can't... <laughs> think of the correct word and he's just over here nodding like "Eh, yeah you are pretty stupid i will not tell you you're wrong (laughs) yeah thanks well let's get you kicked off with your arca series that's right let's get kicked off with the main series of racing news now or has been the main series up until now the arca menard series and there is going to be uh i want to say a lot happening in this race but at the same time We've got a lot of cars in this race. The 41 cars entered in this race. That is the biggest entry list we have had at Daytona for an ARCA race since 2017 when 44 cars were entered. 42 only actually took times that year because two withdrew, but either way, there were 44 cars on the initial entry list. Pretty big entry list this year. That being said, there's not a lot in the way of competitive cars as has been the case for a few years now. You've got the Venturini cars, you've got the Rev cars, and that's probably about it in terms of cars that are going to be going for the win unless we have some wrecks. Daytona's not put on a great show for the last few years with ARCA as it is, so I'm not really sure what to expect out of this race. I don't have high hopes for this race that we're going to see a very good race, but nonetheless... 
It's the first race of ARCA. It's Daytona. So you've got to be excited for it. Um, for those be- of us that have never watched ARCA before, how many cars will actually be able to take place in the race? 40. 4 zero. 40. So one car goes home, but only 40 are going to take time because... And this is where it gets very confusing for those of you that probably don't follow ARCA that closely. There's really only two drivers so far that are running the full season, competing for the championship this year, that are in competitive rides that will really be championship threats. Those being Jesse Love in the 20 for Venturini Motorsports and Andres Perez de Lara for Rev Racing. Now... The thing about Andres Perez de Lara is he is running a fast track car at Daytona because Rev is running LeVar Scott in the two car who is running a full East schedule for them this year and Jack Wood in the six car. Perez de Lara is in a fast track car. He will run a one lap in practice, park the car and not attempt to qualify. So, This will still count for him as an attempted start, so he will still get the 50-point bonus after five races because if you don't follow ARCA that closely, there is a 50-point bonus if you run all five races in each quarter of the season. If you attempt the first five races, you get an extra 50 points. So they wanted to make sure he could have that 50-point bonus even if he's not actually running the race at Daytona. Does this make sense? Clear as mud? I'm following you closely. One of my goals this season is to get into ARCA a little bit. I've never watched a single ARCA race, but it's always seemed like an interesting series, just not super well advertised, in my opinion. Well, this is the year, I think, if you want to watch a lot of ARCA races, this is the year to do it, because, not because I think a lot of the races are going to be great to watch this year, but because this is the first year that every race has been nationally televised on a cable channel that mostly everyone gets, because every race this year will be on Fox Sports 1. Prior to this year, there was about eight races a year that were on FS1, and the rest of the season was on MAV-TV. Well, most people don't get MAV-TV, so most people could only see about eight races, but this year you can see all 20 on FS1 as long as you have like a basic cable package. And for those of us that have never watched ARCA, just kind of looking through the Menard Series schedule, they've got some pretty interesting places, obviously Daytona, Phoenix, Talladega, different races that Cup Series goes to, but then they got a couple smaller tracks. Iowa, obviously, uh, most Southern NASCAR series go to Iowa now, but then some other short tracks around Midwest and Mid-Ohio. I always love watching IndyCar races there. Pocono, nice to see them. Indianapolis Raceway Park, Garth's favorite racetrack in the world. That's right. Right next to the greatest race course in the world, Crosstown. I don't know. I, I think IRP gives IMS a run for its money. Yeah, we'll see about that one. But I do think <laughs> Arkham Menard series definitely something worth looking into for me especially, but if you haven't before, seems interesting. And a couple exciting things on the schedule this year too is Arca is running double headers with trucks this year at tracks that have not necessarily been on national schedules for a few years. So the trucks returned to IRP last year for the first time in what, ten years? Something ran like a double that. yeah, double header the same night with Arca last year at IRP was a fantastic night of racing. They're doing it again this year, as well as trucks are returning to the Milwaukee Mile this year on the same day that Arca is there. So there's a lot of exciting things happening this year with tracks from the past coming back. And that's not even mentioning the fact that North Wilkesboro comes back this year as well. So but Arca is not going there, so that's that's neither here nor there. But when we're talking just Arca tracks, yeah, there's a lot of exciting things on the schedule. Milwaukee's not been the most exciting race the past few years, but it is cool nonetheless to be at the Milwaukee Mile because it's it's the Milwaukee Mile. I mean, there's a well, lot I of history Indy, to that track. IndyCar fans kind of perk up when you hear the Milwaukee Mile, so 
If you want to see more racing in Milwaukee, since IndyCar isn't there anymore, check it out. Definitely. So let's talk about some of the drivers in the ARCA race this week, as there's some names that you may not be used to, or some names in some cars that you may not be used to. We've already mentioned the two car, two drivers in the rev cars this week, LeVar Scott and Jack Wood. Scott will be in the two, and Wood will be in the six. But then, when you look at the Venturini Motorsports lineup, there's some names in there that We've gotten used to Adventurini and some new names at Venturini as well. Amber Balkan will be in the 15 car this week at Daytona. She will also be in that car at Talladega. That's one that I am actually excited about. I uh, was very vocal about this last year that I thought she overperformed in that 30 car for Rhett Jones. And I said on multiple occasions that I would be interested to see what she could do in a very high-caliber car, such as a Venturini car. Well, now we're going to get that opportunity to see. I'm not sure Daytona or Talladega is necessarily the best showcase of whether she really can be fast in that car, because Venturini has been the team to beat at Daytona and Talladega the last few years, especially at Daytona. Once everybody gets into a single-file line, those Venturini cars get out front, and it's very hard to pass them. So I don't know that this is necessarily a good showcase of whether she really is that talented. I would like to see her uh, be in a car, be in that car at a, at a short track at IRP at Milwaukee at Phoenix at something like that. Um, something where it's not necessarily a given that the Venturini cars are going to be up front. And I'd like to see if if I was right last year in thinking that she really could be that good in a car that's better than that 30 car. Now, speaking of the 30 car, there's been a lot of hype around that car the last few weeks because a blast from the Hollywood past is in that car this year in the form of Frankie Munez, who Tyler and I were talking about this before the show. Tyler has never seen Malcolm in the middle. Now, I admit not my favorite show growing up, but I have seen Malcolm in the Middle. Tyler, how have you never seen Malcolm in the Middle? In my defense, I have heard of it, but being almost 10 years younger than Mr. Garth over here, I'm not quite a fossil, so. Oh, wow. Okay. We're 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 going there, are we? All right. Then. Yeah, we're Mr. Babyface. Yeah. Well, uh <laughs> I see how it is. I'll remember S- that. Somebody's got to represent the younger generation, yeah. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> so, yes, Frankie Munez will be in the 30 car for Rhett Jones for the full season this year. I'm interested to see how this goes because this is the highest level of motorsports he has competed in. He has not made an ARCA East or an ARCA West start. I do believe he has made some late model starts, but has not made any ARCA starts to this point. So I'm curious to see how this goes for Mr. Munez. I I really want to see him do well, but I'm very curious because that's the thing. He he doesn't seem to have a lot of experience, and it's not the fastest car in the field by any means, so I really don't know what to expect out of this. As Doc is over here trying to make himself well-known and try to keep himself from being bored, so he is making plenty of noises. So if you hear noises in the background, if you hear meows, Doc is over here trying to entertain himself. You might even see him on camera at some point. So, um, but yes, Frankie Munez in the 30 car this year, back to the Venturini lineup though. Jesse Love, as we've talked about, will be in the 20 car. Gus Dean returns to a Venturini car. He will be in the 25 this year. He made a very good run in that car, both at Daytona and Talladega last year. So, Good to see Gustine back. I've always been a fan of Gustine. I think he's got a lot of talent and just never really had quite has had the opportunities to showcase it that much. So good to see Gustine back in a good car. Hopefully he can put together a very good run. Now, Tony Bridinger will be in the fourth. Really? <laughs> Doc is... Um really trying to be a part of this podcast right now. For those of you on the audio version that can't see 
the cat in the middle of the set right now that just wants to be a part of all the diecasts back there, apparently. Come on, buddy. We're gonna we're gonna have to get down. There you go. Doc just really wants to be a part of this podcast. So back to it. What was I talking about? Tyler, what was I even talking about? I'd like to insert a little point here, hopefully to keep Doc a little bit less bored throughout the year. I'm going to try to get into Arcus, so that way we can have some more back-and-forth commentary talking about the Arkham and Arts series, because, obviously, very one-sided right now with Garth knowing just about everything about Arca, and me not even knowing who a single driver is. Ask some questions. That's the point of this podcast. That's why we call it Rookie Stripes. Ask me some questions. What do you want to know about Arca? That anything we've talked about so far, anything we haven't talked about so far, what do you want to know? Well, who's the top teams? Who are we looking for? So, top teams are going to be Venturini Motorsports, as we have been talking about with with Amber Balkan, Jesse Love, Gustine, and Tony Bridinger. That is going to be mainly your biggest team. Rev Racing is also uh, a very formidable team. Rev Racing won the championship last year with Nick Sanchez, who has now moved up to the Truck Series this year. Um LeVar Scott is moving up with them from their late model program. He'll be running a full ARCA East schedule this year. And then, as we mentioned, Andres Perez DeLara will be full-time in one of their cars as well. I'm not really sure what the plan for Jack Wood is. I'm thinking Daytona is probably the only race he'll be in, so I don't know what they're going to do with that second car outside of that. But they are kind of the top Chevy team. And Ford doesn't really have a top ARCA team. I guess Rhett Jones with... Frankie Munez would be the top ARCA team, but this is the first year Rhett Jones has really had full Ford backing, so I don't know how much that's really going to affect that car. And again, Frankie Munez is a big unknown as to whether he really will be that good. So Ford is kind of the outlier in ARCA, but Venturini is definitely the big Toyota team, as well as Joe Gibbs Racing. They do have the 18 car, uh, which has been piloted by Sammy Smith and Ty Gibbs the last couple of years. And even though neither one of them has... Well, Sammy Smith didn't run the full season last year. Ty Gibbs did run the full season the year before that and won the championship. Sammy Smith missed, what, four races last year and still ended up like fourth in points. Won a bunch of races last year, so... That 18 car is definitely fast. Um, they'll have William Solich in that car this year. Who He's another unknown. He comes from the late model ranks and has not made an ARCA start to this point. So don't really know a, a what point he's going to do this year. I'd like to pick up on there. I think you mentioned mm-hmm. uh, the lack of kind of forward backing in the ARCA series. Mm-hmm. I think just across the board as a general glance, forward in anything other than the Cup series is kind of lacking in the kind of upbringing of new drivers obviously they've had a couple in the past few years but i think they've only had maybe two or three cars in the xfinity series in recent years which did sound super cool on restrictor plate tracks with the engine package that they have in those Mm-hmm. yeah and that that definitely it has been uh, kind of an issue with ford is yeah their development program in the lower series just is pretty much non-existent you've got ford on one hand who really doesn't have any development in any of the lower series. And then you've got Toyota, on the other hand, who almost has too much development. They've got Venturini and uh, Kyle Busch, or now back to Joe Gibbs Racing in Arca. Then in the trucks, you've got, now it's Tricon Garage because Kyle Busch Motorsports has gone to Chevy. And they've got Thor Sport. and Xfinity, you've got Joe Gibbs Racing. There's more Toyota drivers in development than there are seats available as they go higher in the ranks. So that kind of becomes an issue as a lot of drivers wash out of that and end up going to other manufacturers. And that kind of ends up being where Ford gets a lot of their development talent is they just get those washed out Toyota and Chevy drivers who there just aren't really any rides for. Oh, I have noticed that kind of recently with Toyota drivers you see them in trucks and Xfinity series doing really well. And by the time they get the ability to be in the cup series, there's just no cup series spots. Obviously with Toyota having a pretty star stud lineup at the cup series level with 
obviously the three Joe Gibbs cars, well, four Joe Gibbs cars this yeah. year. Uh, Truex, Ty Gibbs, they're not going anywhere. Christopher Bell and Denny Hamlin. This is probably going to be Truex's last year, actually. Yeah, and with reports of him wanting to retire, but mm-hmm. which should be kind of sad to see. But then you got the uh, 2311 racing with, I guess now it's Bubba Wallace and Tyler Reddick. And that's about all you get for as far as competitive Toyota rides in Cup Series. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and then before 2311, it was just Gibbs before that team came into existence. So, yeah, it's there's a very limited amount of Toyota seats in the Cup Series, and that ends up becoming a problem uh, when they pull in so many development drivers. A lot of them just don't have anywhere to go. There's a lot of talented drivers that end up going to other manufacturers because Toyota doesn't have enough seats for them and even in xfinity series this year kind of shifting gears a little bit but you got brandon jones going to jrm this year getting out of toyota's wing yeah brandon jones is one of those where i don't think he's actually in the toyota development program he just happened to be in a toyota ride uh because he started out in xfinity at rcr and then went over to Joe Gibbs Racing, and he's he's one of those to where it took him a long time to develop in Xfinity. There was a there was a good solid three or four years where he was not putting up the results, and slowly but surely he has improved and has gotten better the last couple of years. I'm still not sure that he is ready to be in a Cup car at this point. I think he is just an Xfinity talent, and that's that's where it's going to stay, or that where it should stay. I, I, I feel like he's better off running the rest of his career in, in Xfinity equipment, and I think he'll have a better career doing that than he would going up to the Cup Series. Yeah, and I think a lot of Toyota drivers and Ford drivers, for the most part, have gotten kind of forced up to Cup at a fairly quick time rate. It's hard to see him develop, and you get people driving cup cars at 19, 20 years old, and there, there's not a lot of time to develop, and it's kind of mm-hmm. one of those raw skill type of deals where either you got it or you don't, and they don't let you work on it at all. Well, and one thing that I have brought up in the past, and this is a very controversial opinion, there's a lot of fans that would disagree with me on this, but I believe that a lot of the problem with a lot of these drivers getting to the cup series and not really putting the numbers up for their first two or three years and really taking time to get to the point where they're competitive in the cup series, even if they're in the best car in the field is because they have limited cup drivers running in Xfinity and truck series back when cup drivers could run however many races in Xfinity and trucks they want. Yeah, they were winning a lot of the races. Yeah, they were sometimes winning the championship. But when the non-cup drivers from those series moved up to the cup series, that he did it again. Doc Invasion Doc. Part 2. So, when the drivers that were not full-time in the cup series finally moved up to the cup series... After having raced with these cup drivers a lot in Xfinity and trucks, they were much more prepared for that talent level, for that experience level to run against them. And you had guys like Denny Hamlin, Casey Kane, uh, Jimmy Johnson that were winning multiple races in their rookie season. You don't really get that anymore. Austin Sendrick won a race last year in his rookie season, but it was the Daytona 500. At this point, winning the Daytona 500 is just a matter of luck and surviving the crashes at the end. It's not necessarily a metric to say he's ready for cup. He ran well for a lot of last year, but that was the only race he won, and that was the only race he was really in position to win. Oh, and really across the board for Penske last year, they were... Kind of up at the front most of the year, but just never really put the results together other than Joey Logano. Yeah, and Joey Logano surprised me. Like, I really 
When he made the championship four, I looked at him as the weakest link in the championship four because he, it's not like he'd had a terrible year, but he'd not had a great year either. At least it was a very quiet year. He, I never looked at him as being one of the strongest guys last year. He was just kind of there. And then he makes the championship four and turns up the wick at Phoenix we can delve more into this at some other point because we have a lot to talk about in this podcast, but I feel like that's another thing that I believe is not a good point of the playoff system uh, where you can have just kind of a mediocre season, run well in the round of eight, well enough, either win a race or run well enough to point your way into the championship four and then go out and win at Phoenix. And that's really all you've got to do. And the first 30 three races 32 races don't matter essentially you've just got to run well enough to get to the round of eight and at that point then you can then you can turn it on and we'll i, I don't think that playoff system rant in a later episode though. yeah exactly because i that, can that, go on that for could, that that could for take hours. an hour and a half by itself oh, yeah. at least oh yeah but. Back to arca i don't know how we got on the nascar cup series playoffs when we're trying to talk about arca I digress. Uh, back to Arca, though. We talked about the Venturini lineup. Amber Balkan, Jesse Love, Gustine, Tony Bridinger. Natalie Decker is back in an Arca car this week for the first time in a couple of years, running the 53 for Emerling Gase Motorsports. I don't see her running well in that car. Um, ever since she's left Arca, she's not put up great results in trucks or Xfinity. Um and she's not in a very good car. The Emerlin Gase car, I don't see having a lot of speed, so I wouldn't expect much out of Natalie Decker in this race. Logan Mishiraka, also in this race, making her first main ARCA start. I don't know what to expect out of her. I've seen her name around. I don't really know what she has done outside of running the ARCA East race at New Smyrna last year, which admittedly in the car she was in she ran pretty well i think she finished like sixth or seventh in that race um it wasn't super deep of a field but at the same time it wasn't a great car she was in either she was in that josh williams motorsport 60 car so i don't really know what to think of her i don't even know the car she's in if that's a very good car i don't think it is so i don't expect a lot out of her but We'll see if she can avoid the wrecks. If there are any wrecks, she might come home with a decent finish. It will be interesting to see what happens with her. But race will be Saturday at 1.30 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. Make sure you tune in and watch the ARCA season opener for that. Tyler, any final thoughts on ARCA before we close the book on ARCA Daytona and move to trucks? I think we'll have a lot more to talk about with ARCA after this week's race after I hopefully finally watch my first ARCA race. But I, yes. for now, let's move on to the Truck Series. What are we looking for this year in the Truck Series that's new from last year? The Truck Series has a lot of driver changes that have happened in the off season, and we're just going to quickly go through these because there are a lot of them, and I'm sure I'm going to miss some of them, but these are the main ones. Don't even think about it, Doc. He's going to try to go back up there, and I'm going to keep him from doing it. Need to put a bunch of Kyle Busch pedigree cars up there with dogs on them to keep them yeah. off of it. I'm probably going to miss a few, but these are the main ones that I noticed going down through the entry list in terms of new faces in new places this year in the Truck Series and now the Craftsman Truck Series. So good to have that name back. Not that Camping World and Gander RV and Outdoor weren't great sponsors for that series. Marcus Lemonis did a lot for the Truck Series, but it is good to have the nostalgia back of having Craftsman back in the Truck Series. Nick Sanchez will make his debut in the Truck Series in the two-truck for Rev Racing. Chase Purdy moves over to Kyle Busch Motorsports in the four-truck. Dean Thompson will be in the five for the newly rebranded Tricon Garage, formerly David Gilliland Racing. Corey LaJoy will run double duty in the Spire number 7 truck, as well as being in the Cup car, of course. Corey Heim will be in the 11 truck for Tricon for the full season. Haley Deegan will be in the 13 for Thorsport as she moves over there from Tricon. 
Sammy Smith will be running Daytona in the 17 for Tricon. Christian Eckes moves over to MHR in that 19 truck. I'm curious to see how he is going to do in that McAnally truck. Derek Krause showed some speed in that truck the last couple of years. Never was able to put it in victory lane, but did show that that truck is capable of being fast. So the I'm curious to see forward. what Christian Eckes can do in there. Hmm? Is that the blue and gold Ford that's been around for several years? No, that is the blue, gold, and white Napa Chevy. It's a Chevy? I always thought that was a Ford for some reason. It is a Chevy. Um, it became a Chevy last year? I believe it was last that's year when I, I switched the Chevy Ford. from Toyota. That's but not no, what Mac- I thought Mac- it was okay. has never been Fords. Oh, well. But I'll be curious to see what Eckes can do in that truck. I... Um, have a lot of faith in Eckes's driving ability. I've always thought Eckes has a lot of talent, and it just unfortunately has not been able to be shown a lot in the truck series so far. So I would really like to see him do well in that 19 truck. Derek Krause, the former driver of that 19 truck, moves to Young's Motorsports in the 20 truck. Raja Carruth moves up two trucks after his one season in the Arkham Menard series. He will be at GMS this year in the 24 truck. Brett Holmes is going full-time in his 32 truck this year. So good to see Brett Holmes, your 2020 Arkham Menard Series champion, moving up to full-time in the truck series. Chase Elliott running in the 35 truck for McAnally. So good to see him back in the truck series. Travis Pastrana will be running double duty in the Nice Motorsports number 41. Daniel Dye will be full-time in the GMS number 43. Jack Wood at Kyle Busch Motorsports in the 51 truck. Ty Majeski moves to the 98 truck this year at Thor Sports. They're getting rid of the 66. Ty Majeski moves to the 98 that Christian Eckes is vacating. And Haley Deegan will be in the 13 full-time. Otherwise, nothing changing at Thor Sport. Ben Rhodes still in the 99. And Matt Crafton will still be in the 88 truck. Well, what are we looking for from the truck series this year? I know there's some heavy hitters, Thor Sport, GMS. I've heard of a lot. The truck series is another one of the series that I need to get into and just haven't been able to, but definitely hear a lot about them following the Cup Series. So what are we looking for this year from trucks? I'm really not sure, to be honest. The truck series the last couple of years has kind of turned into a wreck fest. I always used to say the trucks were the best racing in all of NASCAR, and I'm not sure I can fully say that anymore. When they're not wrecking, they still put on very good racing in that series. But there seems to be a lot of inexperience and disrespect flying around in that series. Nobody really respects anyone anymore. Everybody just kind of drives through everybody. So it has not been the greatest show the last couple of years. So I'm not really sure what to expect this year if they clean some of that act up this year it could be a very good year in the truck series well, what did we see cur- last year was it knoxville and dirt that they piled up almost the entire field on a half mile dirt track yeah that um has been slightly common in the truck series lately i don't, I don't <laughs> want to say extremely common but um Something like that is not necessarily out of the ordinary right now in the truck series. So hopefully those get those things get cleaned up because I do still believe the trucks can put on very good shows. Um, just unfortunately has not been that a lot of weeks in the last couple of years. I'm very curious what Tricon Garage will do as they are now the flagship team for Toyota with Kyle Busch Motorsports moving over to Chevy. Tricon will now be the top Toyota team. There's a lot of changes with that team this year, the most visible one being the name, moving from David Gilliland Racing to Tricon Garage. The other biggest change is they've gone from a three-truck team to a five-truck team. They pulled in some former Kyle Busch Motorsports drivers. They're in the Toyota development wagon. They've pulled in... Random drivers from elsewhere. They've pulled in Dean Thompson. They've pulled. They've kept Taylor Gray and Tanner Gray, who had been Ford drivers, but are staying in the Tricon garage 
team now. So there's a very interesting cast of drivers with this team this year. In a team that has not been super competitive the last couple of years. Like, it's not that they've been slow, but they've not really had the speed to win races. So I'm curious to see how they're going to be as the flagship Toyota team now. Because Cowbush Motorsports last few years, they might have had an off year here or there, but for the most part, they were race-winning trucks. Depending on who you put in those trucks, Cowbush Motorsports trucks could win practically every week. Tricon, before this season, has not been a team like that. So... Will the Toyota backing make them a team like that? Or are they still going to be about a 10th to 15th place team most weeks? I don't know the answer to that. I I obviously will find out, but you got to think that with Kyle Busch going to Chevy and them being the flagship Toyota team, you got to think about the amount of money that Toyota's got to be dumping into that team to try to keep their driver development program going along in trucks. Money doesn't necessarily buy speed, though. No. Red Bull Racing learned that when they tried to come to the Cup Series. When Red Bull came to the Cup Series, this was the same Red Bull that is now the top team in F1. They came to NASCAR and basically tried to use the same strategy they use in NASCAR and just throw all, or in F1, and throw all the money at it that they possibly could, and they thought that that would equate to speed. It kind of equated to speed but it didn't make them an overnight championship contender. And in fact, it never made them a championship contender. They were good for a win here or there, but that was about it. Even with you can drivers like Casey Kane and Brian Vickers. Hmm? If you can find diecasts of those cars, send them my way. I love yeah, those paint spears. I don't know that I want to pay 400 bucks for those, for a 164th. <laughs> no, no, just, just send them my way. I don't need to pay for it, just send it over here. Yeah, okay. I'll I'll work on that. Yeah, anybody watching, if you got a Red Bull car, just just send it to t- send Give it to it Tyler. Here. It'll yep. go to a good okay. home, promise. I'm sure it will. Um but yeah, money doesn't necessarily equate to speed. So just because Toyota's dumping a bunch of money into Tricon does not mean they will necessarily leap to being a race-winning team every week. It's more about the management and how the team is being run than it is how much money is being poured into that team. Now, in saying that, if Tricon is going to be a race-winning team, it is going to be with their current driver lineup. If Corey Heim and Taylor Gray cannot win in those trucks, nobody can win in those trucks. Corey Heim and Taylor Gray are two of the brightest prospects in all of NASCAR right now. So if they can't win in Tricon trucks, it, it really probably doesn't matter who you put in those trucks they're probably not going to win in them. What else we got going on in the truck series? Just a lot of driver <laughs> changes. Lost his train of thought here. I, I don't know anything about the truck series still. <laughs> okay. Well, if Matt Crafton retires in the next year or two, I'm not even going to know what the truck series is anymore. <laughs> Matt Crafton's Fair been enough. here the entire time I could read. So yes, yes, he has. That bright is yellow how young Tyler truck. is. All right, so Truck Series Race will be Friday night, 7.30 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. Don't miss it. It should be a good one. Moving on to the Xfinity Series. New names and new places there as well. Cole Custer returns to the Xfinity Series. He'll be in the back in the double zero now for Stuart Haas Racing, his personal number. Now that he has been demoted back to the Xfinity Series, he reclaims that double zero number. Jade Buford and Parker Kligerman join the ranks of Big Machine Racing. I don't know if that second car is going to be full-time this year or not, but good to see Jade Buford back in a Big Machine car in the five car. Brandon Jones will be in the nine car, as we've already talked about for uh, Junior Motorsports. Chandler Smith moves to Colleague this year as he looks to race for the Xfinity Championship this year in that 16 car that is being vacated by the now full-time A.J. Allmendinger in the Cup Series for Colleague. Sammy Smith goes for the Xfinity Championship this year in the JGR 18 after winning back-to-back ARCA East Championships. He's been stellar in ARCA the last couple years, but Xfinity is a big jump. Now, 
That being said, he has been fast in pretty much all of his Xfinity starts that he made last year. So I don't see any reason why Sammy Smith won't be a contender this year. Myatt Snyder will make a start in the JGR 19 car at Daytona this year. He will be running a partial schedule in that car. The 19 will be the all-star car for Joe Gibbs Racing. And I say all-star car, and it's kind of not become an all-star car anymore. It's more about who can buy their way into the car. And I'm not necessarily talking about Myatt. I'm talking about some other names that have been announced for that car. You can fill in the blanks there if you know who's been announced for that car. John Hunter Nemechek will be full-time in the 20 car for JGR this year as well, going for the Xfinity Series Championship. Tyler, you have any thoughts on the Xfinity Series? Uh, one thing I think is interesting, obviously we talked about Brandon Jones, the JRM number 9 car earlier, but I do think it's quite interesting that it seems that he pulled the Menard sponsorship away from the 19 JGR team and pulled it into the 9 JRM team. So the Menard sponsorship is his sponsorship, not the team sponsorship. And that's how a lot of sponsorship works at this point is a lot of sponsors are with the drivers and not necessarily the team now. Him specifically, his dad owns Richmond Water Heaters, which are sold at Menard's. So they have a little bit of a B2B thing going on, a business-to-business deal um, to where Menards sponsors him. They'll get Richmond water heaters on the car for a few races and whatever other Menards brands they want for the other races. But that is where the Menards sponsorship comes from in that case. That number nine car is going to look a whole lot different this year than it did last year. Yep, Menards is a very different paint scheme from Bass Pro Shops and Black Rifle Coffee. I do think that car will race a lot differently this year than it did last year, too. We know Noah Gregson a couple times had his temper kind of flare out last year, especially, what was that? Uh, Road, Road America, America with Sage Karam. Where he crashed half the field because mm-hmm. he got angry. But I don't think we've seen that from uh, Brandon Jones in the Xfinity Series so much. No, Brandon Jones is very even keel. If we ever see that from Brandon Jones, it'll be the day the pigs fly. Uh, Brandon Jones, personality-wise, is like the exact opposite of Noah Gregson. Um, I don't expect to see any of that from him. I do expect to see him win a race or two this year in that car. Um, He's gotten to the point now where um, he is race-win capable, especially in a car like that. But I don't necessarily see him winning the championship as Doc knocks my mic away because he just wants to be on my lap. You're such a good boy, aren't you? Um, But yeah, Brandon Jones, uh, I think he'll have a solid year, but I don't see him being a championship contender necessarily. Now, Xfinity Series is finally where I start to get to know a little bit more about it, but I have been fairly impressed with Brandon Jones. I know last year I watched a lot of Xfinity and not exactly running first place all the time, but definitely in top five, top ten most of the time. And I think it'll be interesting. We saw Noah Gregson kind of up there in top five all season in the number nine car, JRM2. I think it'll be interesting to see what Brandon Jones can do in the exact same equipment Noah Gregson had last year, see if Brandon's temper kind of makes him a little bit better in that car to Noah Gregson. Yeah, it'll be interesting. To see. I, I don't see him running quite as well as Noah Gregson in that car, just because even at this point, I don't see Brandon Jones having the raw level of talent that Noah Gregson has. Um, I, don't, I don't see Noah Gregson being an elite level of talent by any means, but I do think he has more talent at this point than Brandon Jones, and that's not to say that Brandon Jones doesn't have talent. I have a lot of respect for Brandon Jones and his driving abilities, but I do think objectively Noah Gragson has more talent at this point and is a better driver when his temper does not get the best of him. So I do think there will be a slight decline in performance from that nine car, but it's not going to be drastic. He'll still be up there competing for wins every now and then. He 
I would think will make the playoffs. I'll be surprised if he doesn't make the playoffs, but I don't see him making the championship four. Another thing I think was announced this week, uh, Kyle Busch will be racing the number 10 car for Colleague for his five races that he's allowed in Xfinity this year. Obviously not in Toyota anymore, now he drives for Chevy in the Cup Series, but interesting to see the alliance there with Colleague, knowing that Colleague and RCR are both Cup teams and seem to have had a fair disagreement in the past couple of years as far as just running on track into each other. You know, this really doesn't surprise me because there was a lot of talk before it was announced that Kyle was going to RCR that Colleague might be his destination when he left JGR. Uh, At one point, the talk was that he was going to be full-time at Colleague in the Cup Series. At another point, the talk was that um, he was going to Chevy and it would be with RCR, but that Colleague would take over the truck team. It wouldn't be Kyle Busch Motorsports anymore. It would it would be Colleague racing in the truck series. So this doesn't surprise me that Colleague is in some form part of Kyle Busch's future now. Um, I didn't necessarily see this coming that he was going to be with them in the Xfinity series, but I am not surprised by it either. Imagine what a lineup Colleague Cup Series would have been with AJ Allmendinger, Kyle Busch, and Justin Haley all on the same team. You know that would have been quite the lineup. I I'm not sure what how that would have gone because I don't know that Colleague I think would be a step down from RCR, and this is coming from someone who doesn't really consider RCR to be a top Cup team at this point. Um, but I think RCR would have been a better fit than Colleague. I think Kyle can still win races here and there at RCR. I don't know that he necessarily probably would have won any races with Colleague. So I think if those were the two best options, I think he made the right choice with RCR. Yeah, Colleague's one of my favorite kind of up-and-coming teams in NASCAR. Obviously, I mean, A.J. Allmendinger on the road courses and Colleague Xfinity cars has been nothing short of sensational in the past couple of years with the races that they've had. And I think Justin Haley quietly been doing very well for them in the Cup Series last year at least. Uh, new car, new team. But in Justin Haley being relatively young and inexperienced, I think he did pretty well in that car last year. I'm interested to see how he can do this year. Agreed. Yeah, he um, he's been surprising in the Cup Series. Um, outside of his win in the Spire car a couple of years ago at Daytona, he's not been super fast, but he's been mostly with Colleague in the Cup Series. So he and that team have kind of been growing together in the cup series. So it's not necessarily that surprising that they haven't really been race win contenders. Most of the time outside of the clash, oddly enough, the past two years, he has been fairly fast in the clash at the LA Coliseum, which surprises me a lot. That being said, Xfinity will follow the Arkham Menard series Saturday night. 5 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. Tune in for that. Now, the main event of the weekend will be the Daytona 500 Sunday on Fox, 2.30 p.m. There's definitely some new names in new places in the Cup Series as well. A few more changes this year than I think what we might expect in other seasons. Chandler Smith will be making his First Cup Series start in the 13 for Colleague. Riley Herbst also making his Cup Series debut in the 15 for Rick Ware Racing. I don't expect that car to run well because it's a Rick Ware car, but that Sunny D scheme does look really good. Zane Smith also making his Cup Series debut in the 36 for Front Row, and it was announced he would be splitting that 38 car with Todd Gilliland this year. So Todd Gilliland does not seem to be running a full season for front row this year. Ryan Priest takes over the 41 car from 
Cole Custer, as we talked a little bit about on last week's show following the clash. Noah Gregson moves up to the Cup Series for his rookie season in the 42 for Legacy Motor Club. Tyler Reddick moves over to 2311 in the 45 car. Connor Daly will be attempting to run the Daytona 500 in the 50 car for the money team. Interesting addition to the entry list there. Ty Gibbs running for Rookie of the Year honors in that 54 car at Gibbs. Austin Hill will be in the 62 car for Beard Motorsports. Travis Pastrana will be attempting to make the Daytona 500 as well in a third 2311 car. It will be the 67 car. Ty Dillon will be in the 77 car for Spire, attempting to make the Daytona 500. And Jimmy Johnson makes his return to the Cup Series with Legacy Motor Club in the 84 car. His first start in the Cup Series since he made his foray into IndyCar. Tyler, I know you are a bit of a Jimmy Johnson fan. What are you expecting out of him? I'm not sure what the completely new team. Uh, I don't know exactly what the lineage of that equipment is from last year. It's Petty it was, Motorsports equipment from last year, isn't it? It was Petty GMS last year, yes. Petty GMS. So not super competitive equipment, but definitely Eric capable. Eric Jones of, won the Southern 500 in one of their cars last year. That's Eric Jones, though. I've been verily impressed with Eric Jones. I think he got pretty slighted from Joe Gibbs. Mm-hmm. Another thing with them having way too many development drivers and with yep. Ty Gibbs getting up into Cup Series now, it just less room for talented people. But I think I've been very impressed with Derek Jones, especially mm-hmm. the one or two years they spent with Gibbs and Cup Series. I think he did really well. I think he did yep. better than Christopher Bell, which might be a little bit of a flaming hot take. But <laughs> yeah. I, as much as I... I was a diehard Jeff Gordon fan for my entire life until he retired. So obviously had my odds with Jimmy Johnson at times, but just after Jeff retired, getting to know more Jimmy Johnson, Jimmy coming over to IndyCar the past couple of years, kind of more my home territory. Not that he did super well, but just a likable person around the garage. And as much as I do like him now, I think it'd be slightly interesting if a seven-time nascar champion didn't make the field for the daytona 500 could just put in a little bit of a interest in qualifying in the duels which i think the duels have very much fallen off in oh, yeah. popularity in the recent years of course when they're just a single line around the top of daytona for an hour and a half it's not super exciting but with cars getting bumped out of the field this year might have to see some people make some moves that they wouldn't otherwise make. Well, and it's not even necessarily that they'll be running single file. I think a lot of the luster was lost from the duels whenever the charter system was put into place. So there's not as much of a risk of your favorite driver missing the race now. So there's not as much of a reason to watch the race now because 36 of the 40 cars are already locked in. They're just racing for their starting spot in the duels now. You've only got two cars per race that are racing to get in, and most of those cars that are racing to get in are back markers that, let's be honest, most people aren't following or really don't care if they make the race or not. Now, I'm not saying there's no fans for... for Riley Herbst or Zane Smith or whoever, because there definitely are, but they don't have the fan bases that Jeff Gordon or Jimmy Johnson had whenever the charter system wasn't in place and there was a real possibility that those guys could miss the race if they had a bad duel. So and that's a lot sure. of the reason I think the duels fell off is because the in one of and that's one of the reasons why the charter system is a very flawed system. Make sure we cover all our bases here. The non-chartered cars entered in Daytona 500 this year are the number 13 for Colleague Racing with Chandler Smith driving that. And you got the number 36 for Front Row Motorsports with Zane Smith. And you come down to Connor Daly in the number 50 car for the Money Team Racing. I think that is a quite interesting entry into the 500 i like connor Mm -hmm. daly i think he's a very talented driver but 
The money team racing, I I think the only successful team we've seen in NASCAR that's owned by a celebrity has been 2311. So, and I'm not... Don't forget Trackhouse with Pitbull. Trackhouse has done really well, too, uh, yep. with the Pitbull backing. Um, not so much last year. They had uh, Ross Chastain, obviously, but Daniel Suarez didn't really cause a whole lot of commotion, I didn't think. He you got Austin Sonoma. Hill. That's true. Austin Hill in the 62 for Beard Motorsports, not chartered car. Travis Pastrana in the 67 for 2311. And Jimmy Johnson at 84 for Legacy Motor Club. Those are your non-chartered entries for the 500 this year. So, that will transition us into predictions. Um, 2.30 p.m. on Fox is the Daytona 500 on Sunday. First prediction, Tyler, who misses the 500 out of those open cars who misses the 500 out of these open cars i think it'll really just come down to who finds friends in the duels to be completely honest with you i think the 13 chandler smith of colleague obviously he's got what two teammates i don't know mm-hmm. how the duels are split up between his yeah teammates. and that's the thing he could not he could be in a duel where all of his teammates are in the other duel so he doesn't right. necessarily have friends and Jimmy Johnson's got the same thing. He'll have two teammates, but don't know who's going to be racing what. Travis Pastrana, I don't think he... Has he run any super speedway races? Not no, at the this will be level. his first one. No. So that'll be interesting to see how quickly he gets up to speed. And there's no uh, practice before the duels. Right. And it'll be very much step in and take a jump off the diving board and see how mm-hmm. it goes. Connor Daly, I don't know how much nascar experience he has i know he's raced xfinity cars a little bit but i don't know if he's had any super speedway starts he has not i don't think so i think two cars getting bumped i think you're probably looking for travis pastrana or maybe even jimmy johnson it's been a while since he's been a cup car he's never been in the next gen cup cars in a race I think he's tested them a couple times, and he's doing the Garage 56 entry for uh, 24-Hour Le Mans, and that's a new cup car. But Mm -hmm. obviously, being away from NASCAR for a couple years, racing open-wheeled cars, we can't really touch the other cars very much without going in the fence, and then having to go to Daytona and bump draft, and it'll be interesting. I think... Probably my two picks to not make the race would be Travis Pastrana and Jimmy Johnson. You literally just stole my two picks, so I'm going to change mine up a little then. I think Chandler Smith misses the race. Lack of experience, I think, is going to do him in, as well as I just don't see... Colleague, I know this might be a hot take, because Colleague has been super fast in the Xfinity series at Daytona and Talladega. I don't know. I just have a feeling that Chandler Smith misses. So I'm going to go with Chandler Smith, and I'm also going to go with Travis Pastrana. I just, the lack of practice, I think, is what's going to do him in. If there was a practice session before the duels, I'd give him a much better chance. But he has never been out drafting in a track like this. I think it's going to be such a big learning curve, and those duels are so short. I don't think he's going to be able to learn it that quickly, but that same argument could be made for Connor Daly. So you could really interchange those two, or you could honestly say it's probably going to be Connor Daly and Travis Pastrana that miss, but I don't know. I have a good feeling about Connor Daly. I think he does make the race and I don't know. I have a bad feeling about Chandler Smith. I don't think Chandler Smith makes it, and I think Travis Pastrana will be the other one. Yeah, I would like to see Connor Daly make the race. Obviously, me having IndyCar sort of background, I'd like to see IndyCar drivers do well. But mm-hmm. I've always think I've always thought that Connor Daly was an interesting driver to follow. He very full personality, and I think Nick, IndyCar's side has nicknamed him the Flying Mullet at this point. <laughs> Uh, so definitely a lot of personality in that car and we'll see if it can translate into any speed all right moving on now to arca who you got for arca this weekend tyler 
I have never watched Narco Race, so I guess we'll find out. Well, you have learned a little bit from me in this podcast, enough to make a fairly educated pick. Any of the Venturini cars, probably. You gotta, you gotta narrow it down more than that. Pick one Venturini car. <laughs> You've got four options. You've got Balkan, Amber Balkan, Jesse Love, Gus Dean, or Tony Bridinger. We'll go with Gus Dean. Okay, solid choice. I am gonna go with Jesse Love. I'm going to stick with Venturini, but I'm going to go the other direction. Uh, I think Jesse Love starts off his 2023 championship run with a win at Daytona. And there's a little bonus pick for you as I'm picking Jesse Love for the ARCA championship this year. There you go. Moving on. Truck Series, who you got? Truck Series. I was hoping you would go first so I could think about this for a second. But... If you're going to put me on a spot like that, I'm going to go with Christian Eckes to win on Friday night. I think he makes a splash in his debut with McAnally Hilgeman Racing and takes that 19 Napa Chevy to Victory Lane. Who and you got, Tyler? I should have gone first. That was Yeah, gonna be you my were going to pick him? Yeah. That's what you get. You know what? Wild card, Chase Elliott. How is that a wild card? It's Chase Elliott. Truck series. You never know. Even more reason that he's not a wild card. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Okay. That was a, that was a BS pick. It What's was, but well, we're going with that. You picked Chase Elliott, so we're going with that. That's actually probably a pretty solid pick, and you probably have a better chance of being right than I do. Well, I was going to pick your pick, but... I guess not, since I made well, the mistake see, of making you go first. I pushed you into a better pick, apparently. Not I that Christian it. is a bad pick. There's a fairly decent chance Christian is going to see or hear this, so not that Christian is a bad pick. For on the record, to... we both picked Christian, so... <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, on to Xfinity. Who you got for the Xfinity race? I'm going to go with Brandon Jones. Okay. I think uh, new team, new teammates, I think JRM's been working pretty well together, and I think they did pretty well in the plate races last year, too. Mm-hmm. And Noah Gregson is up at the front a lot in that same car. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. New team, new place, new trophy. New team, new place, new trophy. I like it. I'm going to go with the new addition to the Big Machine Racing Camp, and that is Parker Kligerman. I have always been super impressed with Parker Kligerman. I feel like he has gotten kind of gotten the shaft in his career and should have had much better opportunities than he has had in his career. He has proved that the last few years running that 75 truck and finally winning a race in that 75 truck last year. The 48 car, by no stretch of the imagination, is a slouch, and I see him running very well in this race and picking up uh, the dub in this race. So Parker Kligerman is my pick to win the Xfinity race at Daytona. The Daytona 500. I'm going to make you go first again. Tyler, who you got for the Daytona 500? I'm going to go with Tyler Reddick, actually. Okay. I think he's... He did pretty well on the plate races last year, I thought. Um, and I think the Toyota cars worked very well together in the plate races last year. You'd always see one or two at least Toyotas matched up together. Bubba Wallace going to the front a couple times in the plate races. He almost won the 500 last year. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be one of the 2311 drivers or maybe one of the Gibbs cars. I don't think it'll be one of the Gibbs cars. I, I'm going to go with one of the 2311 cars and I'm going to lead towards Tyler Reddick. I am going to go with someone who has been extremely good at Daytona and Talladega the last few years. Picked up a couple of Talladega wins. Has been very close to picking up a Daytona 500 for a couple years now. And has not been able to do it yet. I think this is the year that Ryan Blaney gets it done and takes that 12 car to victory lane at the Daytona 500. Ryan Blaney is my pick to win the Daytona 500 this year. He finally gets that monkey off his back. He's been so close, like every oh single year, and just has come up short. And he has proven he is a very, very good 
super speedway racer knows how to work that draft knows how to run at Daytona and Talladega. I think Ryan Blaney finally gets it done this year and picks up that Daytona 500 victory. I would agree with you until Joey Logano gets his back bumper, and then I think he's going on the fence. <laughs> well, you know, that is a possibility as well. Um, yeah, Joey does uh, tend to get a little reckless in these races sometimes, but I think he'll be okay. I think. We'll see. See but how it goes. I think that's going to about do it for us this week. Went a lot longer than we did last week. Good to uh, good to get all this chatting in, and we didn't even have a race to recap this week. We're just previewing one. So um, next week we will be here to recap everything that happened at Daytona and look toward week number two of the season. It'll still only be NASCAR unless there's any news that happened from the other series uh, because those don't start yet uh indycar is in march right st pete's in march isn't it yeah i believe so yeah mm. and then f1 bahrain is in march as well so we've still got a few weeks until they get their seasons kicked off so it'll be just nascar here for a few weeks unless any news pops up from those speaking of which didn't you have news from those that we didn't really cover in the beginning i did have uh one little indycar nugget uh, Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan is going to bring back Catherine Legg for the Indianapolis 500 this year. Uh, more women in the sport, always good to see. And the World of F1 this year, or this week, uh, so far, a couple of different car announcements. A lot of black on the cars this year. Um, something to do with the carbon fiber being a little bit faster if there's no paint on there or something. But McLaren and good. Aston Martin today unveiled theirs obviously the red bull looks exactly the same as it did last year alpha tari's already put their car out williams as well and the haas gonna get mad every time i hear a european person pronounce it Haas. yeah i've never understood that i don't i don't know how two a's comes out to be Haas. i don't know but that's the world f1 this week more cars all right, well, there you have it. Um, probably should have talked about that in the beginning. I don't know why we didn't. I don't know how we got distracted uh, and didn't talk about it in the beginning. But either way. Um, that's why it's called the Rookie Stripes. <laughs> that's right. Not only is he ripping his Rookie Stripes off with NASCAR, and I'm rip- ripping my Rookie Stripes off with IndyCar, we're ripping our, ro- our podcast Rookie Stripes off every week here trying to figure out how to get this done. But we're glad you're along for the ride with us. And we hope you tune in next week as well for a Daytona recap, a week two preview, and anything else newsworthy that happens in the world of motorsports. Anything else we might want to talk about? I mean, we talked about UFOs at the beginning of this one, so um, you never know what we might talk about on here. So we will uh, see you next week. As always, that's Tyler. I'm Garth. This is the Rookie Stripes Podcast. On Racing News Now. We'll see you next week.